and to hold him, feel his tiny heartbeat, feel the rise and fall of his chest with every breath. But peace, soothing you receive, and you cannot help but give thanks to God. Now, as I share this news with you, and even as I know many of you know my family, that you see my wife and Caden and Jonah adventuring around campus, what I realize many of you might not know is that we have another son. His name is Noah. During the pregnancy, he got very sick. An emergency delivery was needed to take place. And with all the feverish activity of the doctors in the room, I can tell you there is no more deafening silence as when that cry never comes. He was rushed to the ICU, hooked up to a ventilation machine, and for 12 hours, doctors feverishly worked to fight to give him a chance at life. And we never got to hear those cries. We never got to look with wonder into his open eyes. And when we finally got to hold him, we didn't get to feel his tiny heartbeat or rise, the rise and fall of his chest. Lord, how? How could this be? I prayed, poured out my heart, I pleaded. Lord, what have I done that could be so wrong to deserve this? Is there any question we ask more often? Then why do bad things So often I think we look at each other's lives through the picture-perfect, shareable moments of social media. So we don't see or know or realize the wounds and struggles and sorrows that others walk through and live with. Students, I want you to take a look around. Look around the room and take a look into the faces of professors and staff members. I know that you see them most often in the context of the front of a classroom or in an office building, running practice, or leading a rehearsal. These are our faces that have lost parents when they were young, who have buried a spouse or a child. These are faces that have fought against cancer, are still fighting cancer, or who have walked others through that desperate road whose lives have been hurt by other devastating illnesses or tragic events, who have dealt with depression, who find refuge in Christ, whose hope is found in Him. Now look around at each other, into each other's faces. You say these are faces that have also experienced hardship, that have seen parents divorce or witness or live through abuse, have been betrayed, brokenhearted, feel overwhelmed with consequences or secrets or burdens or worries or fears. We all deal with conflict and broken relationships. Struggle with loneliness and fatigue and disappointment and temptation. It might be that addiction which sends powerful waves of destruction through a family or maybe the anger or dispute never seems to get buried. That alienating secret, secret of sin that has become a burden and a losing battle. Why do bad things happen to good people like us? Why terrorists? Why cancer? Why abuse? Why loneliness? Why me? Why you? 
question God, question his presence in our lives, power to be able to intervene in this world and his purpose for doing anything that he does. We question whether he hears us or whether he even cares. But you know, we're not the first to question him in this way. There have been many, plenty of others. Maybe the most notable being Job. Job, a servant of the Lord who was faithful and trusted the Lord in all things. And yet, as we read about him in the Bible, it says God removed his hedge of protection around Job. That he allowed for Satan to bring trial after trial. Tragedy upon tragedy down upon Job. In order to prove that this man's faith was not a weak faith. In order to prove that Job's faith was not a faith brought about only because the Lord's hand of protection and blessing was always upon him. Job received words, receives word that his servants have been attacked and killed. His cattle, donkeys, and camels have all been stolen. His sheep have been burned up in a fire. And his children, all of his children, crushed by the collapsing walls of his brother's home. Tragically, all that he has, everything of value, gone. Ripped from his possessions, torn away in a single And yet Job doesn't question God. He doesn't accuse God of any wrongdoing. No, God's word tells us that he falls to his knees and worships, saying, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And then following those events, those tragic events, Job is next afflicted with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. And with his own wife questioning him, telling Job to just be done with it, to curse God and die. His response, again, is not to question the Lord or to accuse him of any wrongdoing. Instead, in great faith, he asks, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? All of this difficulty, all of the hardship, all of the trials, and still he remains faithful. But finally, finally it's just too much. No breaks. In some of the closing chapters, he cries, God, I cry out to you, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you just look at me. You don't do anything. It seems like you've turned on me. It feels like you're attacking me. You just toss me out into the storm of life. When I hoped for good, nothing but evil came. When I looked for light, all I saw was darkness. What have I done to deserve this? Have you not seen my life? Have I not done right by others? Have I denied the needs of others? Have I deceived or harmed others? Have I ever responded with even an ounce of joy or pleasure when my enemies have had misfortunes? Questions God. Questions his presence, his power, his purpose. He questions whether the Lord hears or even cares. He questions whether the Lord is truly just and righteous after all. You been there? Find yourself there now. Why do bad things happen, God? God doesn't shy away from a question like this. He's not afraid to respond to something so difficult. He didn't back away from it with Job, and he won't sidestep questions like this with us. To all of Job's questions, the Lord begins by saying, Job, where were you? When I laid the foundations of the earth, I marked off its dimensions and laid its cornerstone. Who is it that set the sea 
and its limits, telling the waves, this far you can come, but no further. Have you given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? And as the chapters of poetry continue, the Lord shows example after example of his provision and his protection. He shows his care and his concern. He shows his might and his mercy. He shows Job that by going only by what he has seen and experienced, he speaks to things about which he does not have full knowledge or understanding. See, this messed up world is not God's intention. It does not see him. It does not please him. What takes place. He had a grander plan designed. When he created it, he made it perfectly. Human beings were flawless, and they lived in a world without environmental problems or social issues or human conflict. But because God loved us, he granted human beings freedom. And with that freedom came disobedience. With disobedience, that perfect world crumbled and began to rip apart at the seams so that sin and death and brokenness disrupted all reality. And to this day, with every new generation, we've used our freedom to misuse our environment and abuse one another. And with all that has come, all sorts of tragedy, injustice, pain, and sorrow centered in. But still we want to know, where is God in all of this? There is one thing we can see in God's word is that God takes this all very seriously. God takes sin seriously. He promises justice for the oppressed. If not in this world, then in the next. But we want more, don't we? We want healing. And because of this, God sent his son into our world. You see, I don't know about you, but for me, with all the sorrows experienced, trials endured, the wounds I have had. I need something more than simple platitudes and positive thoughts. I need something of substance, with great power, that can actually bring healing and can deliver on hope. In his son Jesus Christ, God has added lines to that poetry that was recorded in Job, reminding us that his love for us would not could not and did not spare even his own son that he gave him up for us. And if he has done that, his word asks, then will he not also graciously give us all things? In the face of all the difficulty that we might experience, the entirety of God's word bears testimony to his provision and protection, his care and concern, his might and his mercy for us. When Jesus lived on earth, he not only witnessed the world's suffering firsthand, he suffered too. Christ Jesus took our sin and sadness and was crucified on a cross so that corrupt creation might finally again be restored with forgiveness. And if you have scars, don't ever forget that Jesus does too. Marks made by nails that pierced flesh. There are two ways we can react toward God when bad things happen to us. We can ignore God, become angry with him, and doubt that he even exists if such evil things happen here. Or we can hear God, who loves us, 
calling to us in order to take our pain, calling to us to turn away from temptation of this corrupt world and to turn to him for his healing. See, it's from Job that we have received some of the most comforting words that can ever soothe our soul. I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the end of my troubled life, I know that I will see him in my flesh. Jesus rose triumphantly from the dead. Because of this, he gives you new life. By his grace, God will strengthen you not just to endure hardships, but to triumph over them. The Bible says our present sufferings are worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us in the end. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious God, our pain has caused us to look to you for answers. We don't always understand why bad, bad things happen in our lives. But we do know that you are not asleep in heaven. We know that you care for us and promise to be with us always. Thank you for your son who took upon himself the worst thing that could ever happen to us, eternal punishment for our sin. Strengthen our faith in you. Help us not to endure evil, but through Christ to conquer it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.